Welcome back to the Girls Room, everybody. This month, we are celebrating No Shame November. We are having open, honest conversations, completely judgment-free about a whole range of topics. And today, we are joined by the Girls Room alumni, Dre. You may know her from our Valentine's Day episode or from her very own podcast, Grounded in Growth. Dre is officially a licensed therapist, and today we are going to be discussing no shame in having anxiety and no shame in seeing a therapist. So welcome back, Dre. Hi. So cool to be on a podcast as a therapist because I haven't even recorded my own podcast as a therapist. It's on my list. It's still on my list. I remember last episode I said that I'll get back to it, but it's on my list. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. She's just resting. We all need some rest every now and then. It's fine. Yes, we are big advocates for self-care over here at the girls' room. And I think even last, the last episode I was in with you, we like started off by talking about just like burnout in general and taking a break and how important that is. And it's so rad. Literally, I feel like all of our conversations are always so intense and amazing. So I love having you on. I would have you on every single episode if I could. That would be a dream. (laughs) Seriously, we are the dream team. But okay, wait, I I skipped over your intro. Can you introduce yourself to everyone? Oh, hi, that's okay, (laughs) yes. So my name is Andrea, commonly known as Dre. Um, I am a licensed master social worker. Um, which basically means that I'm a therapist. But the cool thing about social work is that you can do so much more than just therapy. So another one of my jobs is I do work in a school setting, doing school social work. Um, but it's very cool because you can hop around and try different, do, try different things. Um, but the therapeutic, like more clinical aspect is definitely my, my favorite role within the entire profession. So I graduated with my MSW in May and got my license a couple months later. And I'm working in a school and in private practice right now, just soaking up all the experience and all of the um, the experience. Yeah. And it's also very interesting too, because I was, I'm like a product, a therapist product of COVID. Um, because I graduated and like did three quarters of my education for that on online during the pandemic. So I feel like that added, it almost like was an asset to me. Like it sort of trained me like very well for, um, the work that I'm doing. So it's very cool to be here and be able to like have the title to talk about the, the, um, the knowledge that I have and all of this stuff, you know, that we talk about so intensely, like you said, in your Instagram DMs. And I love it. You're like one of my favorite friends too, because it's like when you know, like you can just get real and raw with somebody in the Instagram DMs over like some infographic posted by impact.com, you know, so it's so cool. I love it. I'm really so excited to have you on because if I want to talk about therapy with anybody, like I was telling you beforehand, I just recently mm-hmm. started going to therapy a few months ago and mm-hmm. I really wanted to make an episode about it and having you on for this episode, I think is so special and I wouldn't cool. want to do it with anybody else. So I'm so cool. glad you're here today. I'm so honored that you, that you're having me. And also I'm so proud of you for starting therapy. It's like such a hard thing to do to like even have the thought like "Hmm, maybe I should go see someone and talk to someone about this and then to like even take the steps to like reach out like I tell 
all of the people I see the first session. Like, this is hard, and I'm a stranger, and now I'm going to ask you, like, to open up about your deep, dark secrets? That's, like, that's, like, overwhelming. And something I, you know, I should have mentioned, too, in my introduction um, is I do work with, like, children and adolescents, ages 6 to 23, um, which is so cool, too, because they're so different, right? You look at a 6-year-old and a 23-year-old, and they're two completely different ends of the spectrum, but it's so cool because engaging with a, a six-year-old, you get on the floor and you play with them. And then engaging with a 23-year-old is very often sending me TikToks and we, oh, this is the meme that, that relates to your feelings. And it comes about like that. So <laughs> it's about to like uh, meeting whoever you're talking to where you're at. That's incredible. And also, I do want to add a huge congratulations for getting your license. That is such Thank a big you. accomplishment. And especially doing this throughout COVID too, like that is just absolutely huge. And I'm so proud of you. What made you choose this career path? I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I do know. So ever since I, ever since like I was small, I've always wanted a career where I helped people. Like that was the only like protocol that I had. Um, so I bounced around from like teacher and like speech pathologist. That's what I entered new faults as, um, not thinking that it would be really hard. So then I took, you know, just like a bunch of courses in different academic areas and I like really fell in love with the psychology courses and then in turn also fell in love with the sociology courses and I thought it was really cool to think about just how like as an individual our thought processes work and our brains work and then to even apply that to a community aspect and how as a society we all interact with each other so Along with that, I took a crisis course in college that was like definitely influential in like giving me the therapy bug. Like, I want to be a therapist. Um, so I applied to tons of different programs. I'm very indecisive, so I kind of left it to the universe. Like, whatever program you're going to give me, I'll take. <laughs> so I got accepted to Stony Brook for their social welfare program and like really fell in love with social work and how broad it is and how we advocate for social justice and how there's so many roles that we can play and different things that we can do to support our communities. So I, I, I kind of just like landed exactly where I was meant to be. And even too, just like doing field work and training and seeing people that I was working with respond to me. It was affirming that like, I'm good at this and I should continue doing this. Um, yeah, that's how I ended up here. <laughs> corny, some corn for you. <laughs> I love it. So how is this going for you? Like I can imagine this being an incredibly rewarding, but also at the same time, a very challenging position. Like every week when I go into my therapist and I just lay my fucking life on her, I think every time after I hit like end call, I'm like, wow, this is so hard. Like I really oh. have to give all of you guys props for what you do. Cause then you have to go on and live your life and live mm -hmm. your day. So yeah. how is it? Oh my God, that's so insightful of you to recognize that <laughs> about your therapist. Honestly, we have a lot of training on how to kind of 
separate the two. It is so much easier taught than done um, because yeah, the lecture's great talking about self-care, but to then be in practice and have to manage, you know, two full-time jobs is difficult. So it's a lot of trial and error and a lot of setting boundaries. So there's, you know, been times where I've realized maybe, you know, certain days after school are not good for me to start immediately. So then sort of tweaking my schedule, seeing what I can do. Um, also, I have my own therapist that I don't know what I would do without her um, because very, very often I, we, we talk about, you know, some of the, the impact on me because it does add up. But it's important, too, for therapists to then have the, the space where they can then process their emotions, too. And there's also, you know, roles like you can supervise other, other um, therapists, which is like a job that you could have, but it's like counselor education, where then you would, like, support your, the therapists that are working for you and give them, you know, like, guidance on how to address certain problems or even, you know, address, like, how you're feeling about certain clients because of course you know there are things that come up that are personal to me you know people that have exact same experiences and it can be triggering but just you know remembering too that my job as a therapist is to sit there listen actively actively listen and support so just reminding myself of that as well as the skills and then finding my own support elsewhere too is like crucial Wow. So it's kind of like this endless circle of like therapy, like we're all just yeah. like going through it. Yes. And I always joke with my therapist too. Like, do you like being the therapist therapist? And she never answers my question because therapists won't answer your questions. I'll give you everyone here that hack. You ask a therapist a question, they're going to switch it right back on you because therapists don't, don't know you. You know you best, right? So like if you say I'm your therapist right now, Marissa. I wish that was legal. <laughs> but, um, you know, and you said, like, I'm just so stressed. Like, what, what would you do? It wouldn't matter what I would do because I'm not Marissa. And then I also think, too, like, sometimes I always have these random, like, career um, ideas in my head. How would it be cool to have, like, run a, like, a facility that specifically had therapy for other therapists? Um, that would be really cool. Yeah, because you think about it, like all the stuff you have to listen to encounter every single day, like that has to be a lot. And that's always like one of my thoughts. Like, I just kind of want to be like, so how is your day actually going, you know? <laughs> oh, uh-huh. but also too, it is important to note that like, it is our job and like our job is to support and listen to you. And it's not your job to ask me how I am when I'm giving you therapy, you know, even though that's like, natural and normal like you're having a discussion with somebody like you you're gonna feel like you want to ask them oh how's your day going you know it is part of our work and we all signed up for this for reasons you know we are all like willing to listen to all of this stuff but it does you're right it does you know still stick um and requires us to take you know a certain level of care afterwards for sure yeah a hundred percent so the whole idea behind this podcast together is because kind of like you talked about in the beginning, you often share these really great infographics on Instagram, on your stories. And I always like really like stop and read them and try to learn from it. 
And we always end up having these great conversations, like I was saying, and it was a really validating, nice conversation that we had about therapy and about anxiety. And that's something that I wanted to bring to the girls' room because, again, I have topics about mental health and stuff, but I never really dive into anxiety and therapy. So let's start with like the basics. Can you explain to us what is anxiety? Sure. So anxiety is this little funky feeling, you know. First of all, I will start with that every single person on this planet has anxiety. And anxiety is like something that has evolved with us as humans to keep us safe. So that feeling that you have when like, say you have a math exam tomorrow, and you like feel that feeling in your tummy, that feeling is like kind of telling you like study, you gotta work. Or the feeling like if you're in the city and there's tons of cars around, like you feel, because your body doesn't want you to, you know, get hit by a car. But very often um, that anxiety can be felt when there's no threat or when um, like there's nothing that's, that is threatening your safety. Um, and very often times our brains can kind of mix up like what is a threat and what it's not. So anxiety is basically like a signal that your brain fires down this, this, your polyvagal system, which like kind of wraps around your neck and goes down your chest and into your stomach. And it sends signals down your body. So that's very often why we feel anxiety in our shoulders, like we're choking or in our stomachs even because it's all connected. So yes, everybody experiences anxiety, but there, it is very, very often. And especially, you know, on the tail end or amidst a global pandemic too, because there's tons of threats everywhere, you know, your safety and um, the vaccine. And, you know, there's so many different things in this world too that, that are causing people anxiety. So we live in a time, yes, where it is something that everyone experiences and maybe a hot topic or like a buzzword, but at the same time, there's a lot going on where we're gonna be feeling this way. So that's a very, very basic um, example, like not example, but a very basic lowdown on what anxiety is. I've given that lesson to like kids. I've pushed into fifth grade classrooms with, um, with a brain and it starts in your amygdala and that's what fires this, the signals. But it also too like shuts off the part of your brain that like stores memories. And it shuts off your brain that like, that controls like your emotional regulation. So we're not responding in the ways that we would if we were of sound mind. Um, and we're not remembering or like if we're in school and we're having anxiety, things aren't storing. So my job as a school social worker would then be to kind of intervene and help the student build tools for their toolbox so that they can better cope with those feelings. And then hopefully take them home take them up to the middle school, take them to high school, and with them for the rest of their life. So, anxiety. Love her. And I have it too. I even, I take medication for it. That's like a big, a big spill. But, you know, even though it does, you know, impact people so severely, it's something that you can learn to live with. Because even kind of, I guess, going back to our conversation, it's like why I'm here, 
this is something that I've struggled with for so much longer than I even realized. So now to be able to counsel people who experience this and help them and support them and even recognize too, like early signs of, of like generalized anxiety disorder, which would be like the diagnosis um, that you would get. Two things that I love that you mentioned, the fact that you are going into fifth grade classrooms, you're teaching them early. I think that that is amazing. And then secondly, how you said that you were struggling with this for longer than you even knew. And that's why I think it's so great that you're teaching this early because I really had no idea what anxiety was until college. And my whole entire life, I was just like, oh, I'm just a little shy. I'm just nervous. And no, it was so much bigger than that. And it was so much deeper than that. And I feel like then people kind of invalidate my feeling, not kind of people invalidate my feelings by Mm -hmm. saying like, oh, you're just being shy. It's not that big of a deal when really it is. So I think that it's great Mm -hmm. that you're having these conversations early on and teaching these people and giving them tools for their toolkit. I think that that's something we need from a young age, especially in a school setting, especially with the pandemic going on. There's so much Mm -hmm. craziness around us right now that it's great to be learning this. Absolutely. And even too, very often I hear that, um, like from older adults that like, oh, well, I had anxiety when I was a kid and I had this experience, but we don't have to. You don't have to live in the pain of like waking up in the morning and just dreading your day because all of these threats that you're perceiving like, it's, it's not something that needs to be lived with or that you have to tough it out. And of course, there's so many, like, stigmas surrounding mental health treatment, which we'll, of course, get into in No Shame November. And even, too, like, the, like, the gender aspect of it. Like, oh, you're, you're a guy. You just got to deal with it. Um, and it's sad because it just creates a cycle of then these kids are going to turn into adults who are ashamed of their symptoms and hide them and repress them. But when you shove them down, they don't go away. They just get bigger and they have a greater impact on you. So the hope is definitely by, you know, teaching them young twos that they can identify those signs and then have insight into what they're feeling. And ever since we like started doing those push-ins and like having those conversations on anxiety, the amount of kids going to the nurse's office for tummy aches went down because a lot of, very often, that's how mine always manifested. I spent, I would go to the nurse like three times a week because I had a tummy ache and like to look back on my like K through 12 education and realize like, shit, that was a panic attack. Well, panic attacks and anxiety attacks are different, but that's a different story. Or to like look back and be like, that was anxiety. That was something that I did not need to lose sleep over, that I thought a vocabulary test was going to threaten my well-being. So yeah, even like the hope is, is that, you know, we we show them young, this is what this is. And then that they're better able to identify that in themselves and then take care as they should yeah yeah and then they also have this safe space too because they might not be getting that at home like you talked about because there is a lot of with gender a lot of toxic masculinity that goes on boys will be boys toughen up suck it up all that type of thing so if they're experiencing that Mm -hmm. at home but then they get to have this safe space during the day to express their emotions to feel their emotions to talk about them I really think that that's great Mm mm-hmm 
we talked about how often in this conversation that we had, myself included, a lot of people invalidate their own emotions and their own feelings, think that they're crazy. But in reality, we are all just anxious. Why do you think we do this to ourselves? This is a tricky question. I think that, honestly, it's the stigma going back that it's almost easier to write things off as like, oh, just simple stress, or I'm just angry or sad or hungry even. Like, yes, yeah, sometimes a nice meal is the good coping skill. But at the same time, a nice meal can't, won't fix a deeply rooted problem um, that requires, you know, something more. Um, and I wish it was as simple, you know, as a walk in the park or as just getting over it. Like, imagine if every single time someone told me to get, I wouldn't have a fucking job. And, you know, I think that just like the shame and the stigma that comes with being, it almost feels like it's like, it's perceived as like a weakness. Not almost, it for sure is that it's a weakness. And almost like embarrassing to go to therapy. But I have noticed too, like with the younger generations, there is a shift where, um, and honestly a shift that I'm, a little concerned with because it seems to be going in the direction of like it's cool and trendy to have a mental illness or something like that which is a bit concerning but at the same time you know just it's opening up more where it's more acceptable and ex accessible too to get services like that um but yeah there it does that still all of those things don't like completely challenge the stigma that still comes with it that allows for people to sort of write off those anxious feelings and attribute them to something else even yeah yeah definitely and I feel like a lot of times like we mentioned going to the root no one wants to go back and realize like what is the cause of all this no one wants to relive their past traumas or their childhood or whatever it was like it's hard shit to deal with yeah and it is it is scary too and it you know not everybody is you know ready to go there and you you don't even have to go there you know if you want to go to therapy say you know someone listening right now is like i wanted to go to therapy but i don't want to go to the deep dark places whatever like anyone brings to the table for a session with me is fair game so if you bring texts with your ex we're going through them if you bring your deep childhood trauma, we'll unpack it slowly. But yeah, it is definitely also like an intimidating thing too. Like, oh, I have to go and do X, Y, and Z. And I think that's also like a, a misconception about therapy is that like you're going to be walking into this lady's office and she's going to ask you questions and you have to answer and she has an agenda. That's not how therapy should be because it doesn't exist for me to push my agenda it exists for whoever's coming to me that needs support so that's how I just how I look at it yeah something that I want to touch on also that you briefly mentioned is how yes our generation is talking about mental health more and we're talking about therapy like I think it's really awesome to be able to go in 
a lot of conversations with my friends and just talk about therapy and talk about the things that we're doing. And there's TV shows now. I don't know if you watched the D'Amelio show, but they were very open about therapy. I love that show for it and with all their friends. I really liked that too. But how you said that it's almost like a trend. And I've noticed mm-hmm. that too. Like the second that you said that, it was like light bulbs flickering in my head. Shouldn't it be like a trendy thing? Yes. It's a very um, like careful balance that I, I speak with my therapist friends about often. Because to what extent is it, you know, like just sharing information versus sharing incorrect information or like overdiagnosing. So, you know, you go on TikTok nowadays and I, I see children diagnosing themselves with really heavy duty things. And first of all, I don't even have the ability to because I don't have enough education. So you would need a doctor or somebody with clinical training. And even to just the information that's being spread, like I just want to say it on here for the sake of saying it that OCD and cleanliness are not the same thing. Like, it's actually so infuriating at this point because that one's just like, I think, so ingrained in like our language almost. Like, oh, I'm so OCD. I like my notes color coordinated. And like, maybe, maybe you do have OCD. But at the same time, OCD is not obsessive about clean. It's just having an obsession or having a compulsion and the relationship between the two and you can even see that you know in terms of adhd that's another hot one that's coming up now especially even with like people our age um like older older teenagers um and i think in a way it's good but it's very it can very quickly you know go past good because yes it's good to talk about adhd awareness no cd awareness but only if we're using the appropriate information and only the information that can help people. Yes, I've noticed those be like really big buzzwords that in bipolar, I've seen people throw Mm -hmm. that around a lot and just saying it almost as if it's like their personality when I'm like, Mm -hmm. what is going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that one's another like commonly um, like miss understood one because people think it's just mood swings but it's so much more than that and so much more um so much more specific and so much more intense and it's harmful even too because you know as a social worker I constantly have this thought but you know say you're in a mall and there's lots of people around you or whatever and you're having a conversation and you make a comment like that you don't know if the other person has OCD or has bipolar or, or any of the sorts. So, you know, it is something just to be, be careful about also too, because another point I do want to make is it can just feed your anxiety even more like, Oh, I have this too. Oh, I have this too. Oh, I have this too. And it's overwhelming and daunting. And, you know, therapy does not exist on social media. Therapy does not exist on TikTok. And it's really cool that, you know, those are vessels where we can spread information. But at the same time, TikTok is not therapy. Instagram is not therapy. Astrology is not therapy. (laughs) That one I wish it was. But no, I'm joking. But yeah, 
it is, it's a, it's an incredibly tough balance. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Since we are talking about therapy, I want to continue on that route. And something that I want to talk about is the pros or the perks of seeing a therapist, because I feel like it's really easy with all the stigmas, the fears, the opinions to think negatively about therapy. But I want to keep this a positive, uplifting conversation. So can you talk to us about the pros and the perks, the positives of seeing a therapist? Uh, everything. I think everyone should go see a therapist. I mean, that also comes with, too, like, the added layer of, like, is therapy accessible for everyone in this country? Mm-hmm. But then that becomes a bit more loaded conversation about healthcare. Maybe we can do another episode on that. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. We're on a roll. Um, but the pros of therapy is, you know, you walk into a room and you have a safe space where you can talk about whatever you want and there's rules too to protect you um from you therapists like there are rules for therapists like i can't come on here and talk about oh my my client on this day and this day and this day and this person's name because that's not helpful and why would anyone trust me so those rules are in place to like protect clients um and protect the space too um there are, you know, like instances in which like people would have to tell um, like what, what someone would say, but those are just, you know, in order to keep you safe. Um, and it's, it's good too to even talk to like a neutral person because it's great to talk to your friends. It's great to talk to your family, but they're biased and they have their opinions and they have their perspective and sometimes they, they, um, insert themselves um, or their feelings. So it's nice very often to just walk into a room, kind of leave everything at the door and then sit down in front of a person with a neutral perspective to talk about those things. And, you know, therapy of a big misconception is that you go there to get advice and therapists don't aren't like super, you know, like smart people with the best advice. That's why, you know, we, we go to therapy. It's like a very calculated way of like engaging with people and assessing what's going on and then intervening in a way that is helpful. And then evaluating even too, like, is this intervention helping? Is it not helping? What do we do next? What do we need to do to fix that? And then even too, there's part of it, like what happens when we're all done here? What happens when your anxiety, you know, is, is something that you can manage completely on your own and you're done seeing your therapist. So, you know, there is a, almost like a template of, of how therapists sort of go about conducting therapy, but it's not rigid at all. It's all up to, you know, whatever the client needs or wants to bring to the table at that time. I love it. I like talking about this stuff gets me so excited and like it's so fun. Oh my god, I love it. Don't tell your therapist I'm like spilling all her secrets. (laughs) I also love too because like you talked about misconceptions. I feel like something that I was really afraid of when I was starting therapy, like in our first phone call, and I was like, what do we like do? Because I just expected you go and you like sit on this fucking couch and lay down and you just like go deep into your life. 
I feel like that's how it's portrayed in the media and always, always portrayed as like this really scary, intimidating thing. But seeing it now being portrayed in the media, like recently I watched the show Never Have I Ever. I don't know how mm-hmm. that and how she has like these open conversations with their therapist and they're fun and it's not like an intimidating thing. So I like seeing the change in the media and that it's not so intimidating. Well, it is. Yeah. But it could also be fun. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like my favorite, some of my favorite conversations, um, but like one of my favorite, like things to talk about with clients is like their interests or to play with them or to create something with them, because that's what usually gets them feeling most comfortable and talking. And, you know, the stereotype that, you know, you refer to is intimidating to even think about. So like, that's why I even say like walking into therapy for the first time is intimidating, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be. And, you know, a good therapist will make it so that it's not intimidating. And something too, I, I, I want people to know is that like, if you have, if you have a therapist and you don't feel like it's a good match, that's okay. And it's okay to, I was going to say ghost your therapist. I mean, like, if, if you feel like you need to ghost your therapist, ghost your therapist. Find a new therapist. And, you know, like, there's there's tons of different styles out there conducting therapy, tons of different approaches. There's, if you even go on, like, psychologytoday.com, you can put in your zip code. And then you can do like a specialized search of like what type of therapists you want. So maybe you want somebody who's LGBTQ plus. So you can search according to that. You can say some people prefer to see a woman. That's just another, our gender stereotype at work, but some people are just more comfortable opening up to a woman and that's okay. You can search by that too. Um, You can search by insurance, how much your copay is. So there are ways to seek it out and get there. Yeah, I think that that was probably the most intimidating factor to me is like when I was trying to search for one because there's so many different options. There's so many different words that I don't know what the fuck they mean. There was just so much out there on the internet and I felt like I couldn't figure out like, is this going to be the right one? What if I don't like this one? And I just kept overthinking it. And then one day I just took a break for like two months of trying to find one. I was like, I definitely need some time off. And just one day I randomly searched a website, found someone clicked on the first person. I was like, all right, I think this is going to be the one. And after having like the trial call, it ended up working out really well. But I think that part of it that's so intimidating is just the fact that it can be really overwhelming. Absolutely. And even just the process too. And then like, as young people who might not be like so well-versed in um, health insurance, Yes. Um, It's incredibly daunting and it's very, it's deferring like from seeking service. It even like prevented you and Mm -hmm. it's discouraging even too. And then you have the other layer too of who's accepting clients, who's not accepting clients. Yeah. It's a lot. So we know that going to therapy can help anxiety, but you also posted about icing your vagus nerve to help. So can you talk about this technique and why your vagus nerve is important to us? Oh my God, the vagus nerve. So when I, before we were talking about anxiety, I mentioned your polyvagal system. So um, that connects from your brain down your spinal cord 
wraps around your neck and goes down in your chest. So your vagus nerve is like right at your sternum. And when you are feeling stressed and you engage with that vagus nerve, you're almost like shocking your system and giving your system a reboot so that grounding your body and reminding yourself, I'm safe, I'm okay, there's ice on my vagus nerve. And it's, it's ultimately just a way to sort of ground yourself from that high intense and anxious feeling to more of a baseline. But it can be so incredibly helpful too, especially with like the cold sensation, that's like shocking to it. So more often than not in the mornings, I will get up, get an ice pack and lay back down for like 15 minutes with that ice pack on my chest. There are also two, even if you just touch it or like hold it, that it's like self-soothing. So like the way a baby sucks their thumb, like an adult, I mean, you can suck with them if you want, but like an adult one. So like, that's a way too that you can um, like self-soothe. And also um, like if you do it in like breathing increments, so like you hold your hands on your chest and like one hand on your head, and then you can take like a deep breath in through your nose for five seconds, hold it for a second, and then exhale for six seconds while holding. So like even if you take like one hand and put it on your forehead and another hand and put it on your chest, and even just sitting there like is another way that you can ground that sense and ground your vagus system, which will in turn sort of work in reverse and then calm your amygdala in your brain, which is that, that anxiety button. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about your vagus nerve. So wait, why are we holding our forehead? That is just, mm, that's a good question. You don't have to hold your forehead. The va- like on the chest is like the most important, but I think if you like put your hand on your head, like on your forehead, it's like another, um, another like another soothing point. Cause like, this sounds weird. But, like when you put your hands on yourself, um, it's comforting because when we were younger, you know, you were sad about something. What'd you want? A hug. So you're like kind of giving yourself that hug. Yeah. You can even put the hand that goes on your head behind your head or on your belly even too, to sort of like connect everything. But it's very interesting, like how scientific, I mean, it's not for like a, a, a doctor. They're probably like, oh uh, yeah, or a, or a scientist. They're probably like, oh uh, yeah, duh. But I think just for like common knowledge, you know, of people, and even for therapists know too that it, it's all related to your body back back to your body too wow i never knew that and recently um i was watching like an instagram story of someone and they were like meditating and they had their hand up on their chest and also on their stomach while they were doing deep breathing and i kept thinking i was like i i've heard people say like put your hands on your mm-hmm. stomach so you could feel yourself breathing in and out and i was like why is her hand on her chest but it mm-hmm. all makes sense now yeah. And even when you engage your hands and your body too, like you're feeling your body move up and down. So it like kind of is connected too. So like you are feeling your breathing, but also in turn, like you're, you're grounding yourself too and soothing yourself. Isn't it amazing how amazing our bodies are? It is. It's so cool. And, you know, even you know, I don't expect that, that tidbit to like solve world anxiety, you know, and 
I give that to my clients every so often. And some, for some, it, it's everything. So helpful for others. They're like, what on earth am I doing? This is weird. I just want to talk. And that's okay. You know, not everything is going to work for everyone. Because everybody needs something different. Absolutely. Yes. And nobody's, no two people are the same. No two instances of anxiety are the same. Even if, you know, we both have school-based anxiety, maybe yours is more from like performance. Like I just want to do well. So people think that I'm smart. Maybe mine is from that. I have like math trauma, which I do, <laughs> but that's a different story for a different day. Yeah. And that's just like a very, a very general, like basic example to, to give, um, just for, you know, for listeners sake. Yeah. Do you have any other tips or tools for those who are struggling with anxiety? Some other like tools for the toolbox for anxiety, definitely cut yourself some slack. Very often, you know, us ourselves can be like our own worst enemy and the anxiety, you know, is almost like fueled by ourselves. Um, and of course that takes, you know, great insight and work and therapy to get to, but cut yourself some slack. Um, another thing too is a lot of, you know, people are going to be angry with me, but think about cutting down on your social media use or at the very minimum, like reflect on the content that you're viewing. And we've had this conversation before, if I'm remembering correctly, like fill your feed with stuff that makes you happy, stuff that makes you, you feel good instead of, you know, looking at all of the people around you doing X, Y, and Z because social media is a highlight reel. And that's part of the reason why too, like I share all of this stuff that I do because I love to just challenge the idea that you know like everyone's life is perfect on social media and that's what it's for so sharing those things you know like this is what OCD really is or this is how you can you know set boundaries with somebody because it's all really important stuff um I'm also a big advocate for just like getting outside taking a walk whether it's around your block whether you're just stepping in your backyard for 30 seconds fresh air, vitamin D, and like even just like observing the world around you can be so helpful. And also too, like if you're feeling like maybe you want to seek out therapy, do it. Try. See where, you know, it goes. And if you feel like, you know, it's not something that you have access to, you know, maybe like I can give you, Marissa, like some tools on like how to like access therapy, how to, you know, figure some of those things out. And then the hope is too that, you know, as the world like destigmatizes mental health, that mental health care will be more accessible for everybody. I love this. I love this too. So do you have any final words or final thoughts that you would like to share with us today? My, my last thing that I want, you know, everyone to leave with is that there's like no right or wrong way to do therapy. There's no right or wrong way of opening up to a therapist. And there's really no right or wrong way to handle those things. I mean, there are unhealthy ways to, you know, handle emotions, but this is, you know, your journey whoever is listening, you know, this is all for you. It's, 
to help you feel and be the best version of yourself. So keep that in mind and, and take care. Do what you got to do for yourself. It can be hard, but we can do hard things, right? <laughs> I love it. I love Glennon Doyle. <laughs> oh my God, an icon. Like if there's something that I could recommend as someone who does not know fucking anything, listen to Glennon Doyle's podcast or just read her book. Yes. So amazing. Oh my God. I'm, I'm pretty sure Untamed like changed my life and my perspective. <laughs> so good. So that's what I recommend. So I want to say thank you so much for coming back for the second time. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here. Yeah, I feel like our conversations are always really powerful and I always leave feeling so great. So I hope that the people listening also get that same great feeling that I always get having these conversations. I feel like I just washed my face talking to you. I love it so much. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for everything that you are sharing on social media because I love them. I learned so much from them. And I love also that anytime that I comment, you're always there to have a full conversation about it or take the time to explain it to me. And I think that that's amazing. We need that. So if you're listening out there, make sure that you go and follow Dre on her Grounded and Growth podcast. Like we said, it is resting right now, but that's okay because she has past episodes that are incredible, that feature some amazing people and just have some great topics. So again, thank you, Dre, for being the person that you are and an amazing guest and for coming back on here time after time to have these great conversations with me. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Girls' Room. Don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review, and follow me on Instagram at thegirlsroom underscore pod. See you next week for an all-new episode.